If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, Reskill USA, we explore the intersection between real estate and the opportunities for job retraining and placement within communities. Today's guest is Alvin Crawford, an internet technology thought leader, innovator, rainmaker, and strategist with over 20 years of experience in leading strategic growth in internet-related ventures. He's the co-founder of Cloud Path, where people residing in underserved communities can have access to free training and job placement in infrastructure computing, cloud ops, and DevOps. Alvin, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Alvin. Hey, thank you both. It's great to be here uh, with you. Uh, just uh, by way of a little bit of background, I'm a uh, father of three. Uh, I've been uh, doing this internet thing since probably about 1997. So it puts me as an OG in that category, but uh, excited to be here with you and to share um, some good news. So we're talking about reskilling the workforce, uh, reskilling the America, and you, you, you're serving up your your kids. Uh, so I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> one 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 child labor at a time. You know that's how that's how it goes. You know I want to just talk a little bit about the talent gap. You know the it's widening in America as everyone knows. Uh, that pattern will continue. McKinsey, a very prominent uh, consulting firm, estimates that up to 100 million workers may need to change jobs in 20. Uh, by 2030. That's roughly about 12 million more than the pre-pandemic F- estimate, but qualified hires are hard to come by. You know, all the resources required to locate secure top candidates are increasingly costly. Organizations need to just rethink their hiring strategies to meet changing demands. So one powerful strategy is reskilling. Reskilling is the training, is, is basically training current employees on new sets of skills to take on an entirely different role. For example, a bank may reskill a customer service representative to become a software engineer. Not only does this approach preserve and invest in in-house talent, but it's also very cost-effective. Um, and so companies around the country are thinking about reskilling. Employees are looking at opportunities to educate and reskill themselves so they can get better jobs, so forth and so on. You're in this space, Alvin. The space is desperately needed in America. So tell us a little bit about how you got into this space and how you got excited about it. Well, so there are a couple of things. A lot of the work I've done uh, prior to this has been in K-12. And what is clear uh, from K-12, uh, and a lot of people talk about 21st century skills and just the lack of, of kids that have, have the right skills for this new economy. 
um, which is more of a digital-based economy than 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 what has historically been an industrial age. Uh, a buddy of mine had uh, been frustrated by the lack of software engineers. He used to say that uh, if you knew how to spell AWS, he would hire you because he ended up having to train anyone uh, to run his cloud. He started early in 2012 uh, operating um, in the cloud. And his frustration was the lack of skills to actually manage his cloud. So he, out of that frustration, he started a not-for-profit to actually pilot whether this could be a successful route. So he trained about 50, uh, 18 to 30-something-year-olds and uh, over six months and got them all 100,000 a year jobs. So what was clear was there's a huge market for it. Everyone's going to the cloud. There are 250 billion in unfulfilled jobs uh, within this market space, and uh, you know, 10% a year of people going into the cloud. So what's clear is there is a huge market imbalance between uh, the number of jobs needed and the skills to do that. Uh, you were quoting a, a lot of stats. One of the interesting things: 70% of uh, the population lacks kind of the 21st century skills needed for jobs going forward. So I do believe that it's both uh, reskilling, upskilling, uh, and then starting to think about uh, the college uh, to career or high school to to, to career um, continuum because it's historically been, you know, go to high school, go to college, and then get a job. But right now, college. Can can put you you know a hundred to two hundred thousand in debt to fifty thousand dollar starting salary. Well, it's interesting you say that because there's a, been a lot of talk recently about what are you getting for that very expensive college education uh, versus what used to be apprenticeship type industries like electricians or plumbers, which can make a very good living. You don't have to you don't have all the debt that you incur through college. So I, I think the whole idea that everybody should go to college and it's the best thing for everybody that's becoming a bit of a question. And as you say, as we're turning more digital, you see influencers' jobs that didn't exist. 20 years ago were versus coal miner jobs, which are going away. So it's obvious that it, as we become more and more digital in our lives, we need people who are savvy in that space to help us grow. And I think that's what this training is doing. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's important point you should just made, but also there's with the younger generation, there's also the older generation. As we're all getting older, we're finding that we spent our entire lives training in one career, like pattern making or garment manufacturing that's gone away. And how do we make money and make a living at the later years in life, knowing that A, probably social security is not going to support us. Uh, B, probably we're going to be living until the age of 70 or above and need to make money. So reskilling or upskilling when you're young and reskilling when you're old has got to be a priority. Absolutely. Um, what you should be hearing uh, on the political spectrum is lots of people just being real with folks. And the reality is it's not about you re-engaging in that coal factory. It's about thinking about what's new and how to, how to put yourself in a position to be successful. And so, you know, uh, uh, these boot camps, uh, any, any areas that will actually reskill or, or upskill are, are places where everyone should be gravitating towards. And I say everyone, just think, you know, in, in the next five years, 50% of the jobs that are out there probably haven't even been 
um, named. And I laugh about my kids and thinking that iPhones didn't exist <laughs> when they were born. Uh, so if you think about kind of the dynamics, the the industry well, your kids are 60 right you're in 60 it's actually funny funny that you mentioned that I and mean, this is I'm not, i don't you can't make this stuff up i was on a plane flying from new york to detroit and i was sitting next to a guy who turned out to be working within 5g technology and i said you know what are you going what are you doing in detroit and he says my family's from there i grew up there i used to work there and says what were you doing in detroit and he was like i used to work in the salt mines it's like we. I was like, "What?" And um, I didn't know that one of the largest salt mines in America was underneath Detroit, which they closed down. It was a whole issue. It had partly collapsed. They shut it down. The majority of salt that was produced from this salt mine went into road salt. Right. right? And so he now is building cell phone or five G cell phone towers across America, and he was saying that the the skill aligns it's a dangerous job you're using heavy equipment <laughs> you're being you're put into these obscure locations in in america in the wilderness and i'm like wow that's so interesting how you can rescale there's there's some alignment between probably one of the oldest jobs in the world outside of prostitution that you right. can actually that translates to probably one of the most modern jobs that there is except ex yeah the exception of flying into space right so there's reskilling has its um specialties at the same time it has its opportunities for so many people well and, and let's tie it back to real estate as well when you upskill and reskill your community what it means is that more people are actively engaged in jobs that are fruitful uh and uh that are well-paying well-paying jobs means that uh, there are more members of the community that are um, are productive and productive citizens create higher valuations in real estate. So it all ties together pretty nicely. Alvin, do you happen to know in that space of reskilling, what kind of opportunities are generally out there for people or what, what part of government supports anything like that? Or is it up to private enterprise like yourself uh, uh, to step up to, a, to give people that opportunity? I think it's a combination. So certainly the Workforce Opportunity Innovation Act, uh, which I think is 20 or $30 billion, uh, is very much focused on, um, you know, you have to have income, uh, negative income thresholds, meaning lower income uh, or other factors uh, to get that funding. But there's certainly a lot of money that's been set aside for that. Um, and a large community of providers that support that. But I think in general, it's, 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 it's all of our responsibilities, which means that corporations should absolutely be thinking about how to take their existing employees and to prepare them to support needs going out into the future. I, I think universities, uh, certainly community colleges could be doing a better job of not just preparing people for old industries, but really starting to focus more on the cloud, uh, as well as is infrastructure work. Infrastructure could be green jobs. It could be any number of these new areas that we're going into. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity for all of us to be involved. I do think that politics um, goes into play. Our, 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 our government probably should be helping people understand that it's not about the old, it's about the new. Uh, and to be thinking about 
what skills you have and how to how to start to think about upskilling and reskilling uh, to meet market needs. So how do we how do we balance the two, right? I mean, you can't just go from uh, you know digging ditches to creating artificial intelligence software for uh, for the cloud. I mean, there's there's got to be some amount of time that takes at least a week. <laughs> <laughs> so I it, you know, ditches ditches still need to be dug, right? And you know, things in this country, we still need to do the not so sexy jobs, right? So how do we balance the need to reskill with getting the work done? Well, so so work has become a little bit different. Now, certainly uh, this infrastructure bill that, that uh, focuses on roads and bridges uh, will, will need a lot of these unskilled workers. Um, but I think that, so that group of unskilled workers, there are probably some of them that have, that have aged out of their ability to do um, that level of manual work. Um, and for them, there is a lot of what I consider digital plumbing. So digital plumbing is actually any infrastructure job that's more tech related doesn't mean that you have to be a coder or that you have to be an astrophysicist or artificial intelligence expert. I think there are some specific jobs that will require a master's or PhD, but there'll be lots of other jobs within infrastructure that are not manual labor, but they are processes, which I would equate to digital plumbing. And so back to Jamie's mention of these apprenticeship models, there are plenty of those uh, and hundreds of thousands of jobs that are available for folks. Um, but they have to know that it may be smart to, to reskill. You know, it's funny. You mentioned you mentioned the word uns. You said unskilled. Um, it reminds me of the fact that you could be skilled, but actually not be very good at it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I know that there's a lot of the discussion about Starbucks now unionizing and the, the, the baristas and all that. And I'm not quite sure whether or not you call that skilled or not, but I've had a bad cup of coffee. And let's tell you, I wish they were I, like reskill the baristas into skilling for more, for better coffee. I mean, there's a thing about quality. How do we manage? How do we think about what reskilling means in the terms of how skilled people need to be at their jobs. Okay, so, <laughs> well, sitting here unskilled as I am, I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> Thanks for making me feel unskilled. Next. <laughs> uh, let's talk about a couple different things because we now have this, this notion that learning is a lifelong process, right? And so certainly because of the shifts um, and where where opportunities are, we're we're definitely uh, lifelong learners um, if we're smart and strategic about it. Actually, there are places like Starbucks that did do some really smart things. Like they worked, I think it was with Guild Education. I think Walmart's done the same thing, where they offer their employees free college. And so those folks that take advantage of free college rise up higher within their companies and are able to do more. So this notion of skilling and actually the notion of, of, of workforce um, learning and development, there are now chief learning officers at corporations because they are starting to think about the importance, not just of a new credential, meaning a degree, but also of a skills continuum. And so the more effort 
that companies work on in terms of defining what competencies they need in the future, the better prepared and equipped uh, their employees will be for making a shift. And I think that's an important point from a corporate HR standpoint and from a corporate leadership standpoint to think about what are the skills and not just do compliance training, but do really more meat and potatoes um, reskilling. So I think that there is a role <laughs> for corporations and I, I think there are union conundrums, but I do think that that more and more companies should be thinking about what competencies they need and actually more managers should be talking to their employees, not about did you show up at, at work on time, but are you building the competencies and am I giving you feedback on the places where we need to go? Before we continue with the show, I wanted to talk a little bit about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good. Through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressures to change themselves to fit other people's expectations, and the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique, and what works for someone else doesn't mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work towards goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finish the program, and more than 60% of users that engage with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash believe. Again, that's Noom, N-O-O-M, dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. I would I would take make two points off of that, Alvin. Great point about um, about corporations getting more involved. I know that when I was younger and working on Wall Street, and a lot of finance companies would help finance an MBA for uh, an employee that had an undergrad. And the understanding was once they got the MBA, they had to commit to a certain number of years to give back to the company. But the company was very involved in helping to train the employees for, for bigger and better. And the second thing I would say, so there's clearly there are industries that are doing that and we need to maybe have those industries teach other industries of, of the benefits of that. But the second thing is, is you talk a lot about the employer and the employer's responsibility. I think there is a responsibility on the employee as well to recognize that he's limited by his skills, to look at a job and what he might be interested in, and then go find a way to get trained in those skills. It has to work both ways. Both sides need to want to make the change. Otherwise, you get the old man new tricks case of people who aren't trained and are, are reticent to train and they're upset that they have to train and they're, they're, you know, they're not getting anywhere and it becomes a frustration. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And I, I actually, you know, it's funny. Back in, in our parents' day, um, you used to work for the same employer and you get your gold watch at, at retirement and all that. Um, certainly in, in my generation, uh, which I'll say our generation, uh, there was more movement, um, meaning each job was developing a set of skills to be better for the next opportunity and the next opportunity. And I do think that as an employee, you have to have a mentality of building your portfolio um, of skills and recognizing when a job is no longer 
giving you benefit and that the company is, 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 is taking advantage of you in that way. And that's a different approach, but I think it's a healthy attitude. I think the, the Gen X, or the, the Gen Zs are even, even more confusing because they're two to three years and they're saying, what can you do for me? But I do think that there is a strong need for companies to be thinking about how these new kids are thinking about their world, which is they want training. Yeah, look, I mean, I think I agree with you, but a, a counterpoint to that is the fact that college was never really specific about and about learning any particular skill. Most people that graduate undergraduate college graduated from a liberal arts college. They were they learned English lit, and then they're working in finance, right? I mean, the the skills between what you learn in an institution to what you apply to the job. Are very different, and as a matter of fact, most companies knew that, and that's like on the job training is what you expected the job to give you straight out of college, right? No one really expected you to know and to train for four years in that specific skill when when you joined the job day one, and there was a bit of a you know, three to six month learning process of which you then progressed, and you went from a a junior person to a mid level person, and so forth and so on. Today. Because college is becoming irrelevant because of the disconnect, kids are going into specific skills like vocational training, right? I mean, it almost feels like we're going backwards to the point where you're learning how a specific set of skills and then looking for that job with that specific set of skills. And so if you're a generalist, you're nowhere. So we're always, and to your point, we're always going to have to learn whether that's on the job or off to skill up for a specific job. And if jobs are going to become more specific, then the the two will meet and will create this vacuum effect where if you're not on the skill train, you're, you're, you're on the bus and you're behind. So I think that there's a there's a commitment that companies need to make to understand, okay, well, how are we how are we showing up? And there also has to need to be a commitment among the the future employee to say, well, what do I want and what should I skill into? And then it needs to be a government, I think to your point, perspective on saying, how do we make sure that those two sides meet equitably? And I'm laughing a little bit because you should know that between high school graduation and college graduation, those were really lottery tickets for good jobs. They weren't really skill producing as much as they were um, making it easier for employers to um, sort out who they should hire. And so now what colleges are going through right now is realizing that that degree is not that meaningful uh, necessarily, uh, except as a sorting mechanism. Like, you know, if you went to Harvard, you can go to Harvard Law or you can go to one of the Ivies. But I, but I, I do think that there is more questioning of what that actual degree means especially with with uh, compounding debt um for kids coming out so i think a lot of uh colleges are reconciling with with that and you know a lot of states uh, maryland just passed legislation that says you don't need a college degree to work uh in the state and so because skills are so important and because there's this big push for 21st century skills uh, and more of this critical thinking, creativity, uh, collaboration, and communication, uh, there are going to be a lot of better pathways for uh, kids as well as for adults to, to get competencies that they need to be successful.
I, I can tell you that I just I just watched Platoon over the weekend, and I would just assume that if you don't go to college, you just get drafted. <laughs> I mean, right. like, wherever it is, you're going. You're going. That used to be the case. That's exactly what the case was. That's why everybody went to college all of a sudden. Yeah, but 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 again, with the with the market imbalance between kind of the tech-related skills, the 21st century skills that are needed for a lot of jobs that we don't even know about that'll that'll be available in five years. We are all as a country, uh, probably as a world, but as a country, if we're going to kick butt uh, and uh, and 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 take advantage of this this opportunity, we're going to have to focus on skilling, reskilling, upskilling um, to make sure that we have uh, the employees that we need. Otherwise. You know, we'll continue to be hiring, um, you know, PhDs out of China for for very little money versus uh, folks here in this country. So let's talk about that for a second. Um, my my big question is, well, what are the types of jobs we should be encouraging that both young and old uh, people should be skilling into? And number two, um, where are we sourcing these people? Where are they coming from? Well, so there has historically been kind of a shift between kind of those who went to college and grad school and, and, and did kind of that high knowledge space work. Uh, and then the folks that were servicing folks, like the folks that work at the Foot Lockers and other retail environments who are the seven fifty an hour minimum wage jobs. So we have to look at, I mean, the reality is, is in this economy, um, with the jobs of the future, we're going to have to 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 help our under um, underserved communities to 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 build a skill set so that they're working um, in productive jobs. Uh, and there's a market imbalance, so there are plenty of jobs for folks to have. Um, that doesn't uh, preclude the folks that are in the, in the middle class from doing it. But if you look at rural communities. Now that the internet is here and everywhere, there are tons, there, there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of jobs, um, just with some simple skills they could be able to, to perform. So I think we have to have a, a mindset shift uh, about what's taught uh, in high schools, uh, what's taught in community colleges, and how to prepare for a lot of the infrastructure-related things that are all going to be digital. I'll tell you right away that protractor that I had to learn how to use in high school, that's come in really handy or that geometry class. I can't tell you how many times, thank God I have my compass. I pull it out and the, 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 the lead is nicely sharpened. I can make a nice circle in an emergency. You know, um, you're absolutely right. What we're learning in college, if you, you become a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer, those are specific skills. But if you're getting just a, a well-rounded education, which is important, a liberal arts education is important, uh, a well-rounded education. Uh, it's good to know that there are places people can go if they want to make a pivot. Like the, the example we gave at the beginning, if you want to pivot, where do you go for resources to help you pivot? You know, look, I'm going to I'm going to double down on that. Right. Because I think you're right. I, I, I would assume that it's about the new economy uh, jobs. It's the new energy, perhaps alternative energy, new mobility and those kinds of areas. But I but to going back really quickly to your point, Alvin, when you say, you know, rural America and all that, I feel like because of the Internet, 
it's created more competition for jobs, right? You're with a skill of say search engine optimization, for example, and you learn that skill out of your you know twelve week online class. You now have a good skill, but you have the same skill as millions of other people uh, living in India or China or wherever, Indonesia, around the world that can do the same job virtually as you can. And so you're now perhaps in a worse off situation. I don't know. Is it a better or worse situation to be in if now you have a commodity skill that everyone has access to on the internet? Does it, does it, does it make things better or worse? I don't know. I think you should think that slightly differently. So certainly there are tons of, of knowledge workers in other countries. Uh, we as a country probably need to do a better job at, at upskilling our folks. Let's use two examples. If you take your car in, um, to a garage today, you know what they're going to do? They're going to hook up the computer, right? And if you go to McDonald's um, today, you may not actually have a human being that takes your order. So those low-wage jobs are going away because you can automate them. And um, everyone's going to need to have the skills to operate the technology um, in the future. And so there are going to be tons of new jobs. You can say they're, they're commoditized in some ways. I think software development is commoditized. There are tons of people who can do that. But there's still lots of inter interfaces that involve both speaking to other human beings, um, but also using technology. So okay. there is- I get it. I, I, I get it. And I'm not trying to be a naysayer, but I, I am a sci-fi geek. And there was the dystopian idea of the future, which in my example has Matt Damon in it as uh, so a factor of Elysium. The job of the future is cleaning the machines. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of, there's a lot of digital plumbing that needs to take place. And, and so I'd say that from a infrastructure perspective, there are millions of jobs out there that require folks to, to reskill uh, and requires the, the kids coming out of high school to understand that um, college is an option, um, but also that um, building their, their toolkit is critically important. And that toolkit should be thinking about what's happening um, in the, in the, the digital revolution. I agree 100% Alvin. Um, as we, as we come to the close of the show, um, if people are interested in, in, in going onto the internet and looking for information on things like this, where would you p tell them to go? Well, so there are different places that you should be thinking about. I think if, if, uh, if you have access to, uh, one of the job banks throughout the country, um, most big cities have job banks that talk about this. If you're interested in upskilling on the digital side, I actually think that there, there are thousands of, uh, I say thousands of, but there are lots of, of um, boot camps out there that can help you. And then I actually think a great place to go uh, is to look at your local community um, and understand what, what job markets are hot. So there, there are plenty of places, I mean, from a Google perspective, to just search for um, new opportunities, to, to search for um, industries, um, and look for places where there's market imbalance, and think about investing energy. The reality is it doesn't take a four-year 
degree. A lot of these skills can be gained in three to six months um, uh, on a part-time basis. So I, I think that that's definitely something that you should be paying attention to. But you can't just uh, look for the tried and true jobs. You have to think about um, where the opportunities are. And there's a huge market imbalance. So where can companies and employees go to find your services? So, um, so we're a little niche right now, and I, I'm, I'm stressing that because we offer free training to um, to folks in underserved communities. So uh, there are requirements uh, to go there, and 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 so I would say that that we're not going to be the the source today for thousands. A lot of our focus has been on uh, the companies that we work with and making sure that that we're producing the, the, the folks that they need. Um, but I would say that, that there are lots of boot camps that are a little more open uh, and that, that would be available. I, I caution between cloud computing uh, versus software development. The reality is that software development is something that lots of people are trying to do, but computers are actually starting to write code. Um, so there, it's a harder possibility. But I, I think that infrastructure computing is a huge hot area where there's a big market imbalance and uh, that's where the opportunity is for a lot of folks. So with that being said, the message is get out, reskill, get a better job and buy some real estate. <laughs> so, hey, hey, listen, Thank you very much, Alvin, for being on the show uh, and, and chopping it up with us and educating us on the future possibilities of education and, and skills in America. So thank you very much, Alvin. Yeah, Alvin, thank you very much for me as well. Um, you're always working in such areas that are always ways to improve people's well-being, whether it's job, whether it's food. Uh, you always find these great opportunities and ways we can help our fellow man. So thank you for that. And thanks for coming on again. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here. I always enjoy uh, chatting with you guys. You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.